map yet, it might be terrible. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, we're hoping. This is called faith. All right. All right. I'm so grateful again, always, to just be in the house with brothers and sisters, friends. You know, it's so awesome. I love it. I love the, the worship. It's so good for us to focus our eyes and our hearts on the Lord, to get our minds right. You know, we, we get into, um, I know for me, for sure, and I know a lot of you folks, you know, we're so busy throughout the week. We're so busy. We, we really focus on all the, all the work, all the things we have to do at home, all those kind of things. And we can, we can get our, we can kind of get away from that presence of the Lord. We can, we cannot be focusing on him. And it's so good for us to come together so that we can fix our eyes on him again and learn to do that more and more, more and more consistently throughout our daily lives, no matter how busy we get. And that's the hope. I mean, that's, that's my desire, and I'm sure that's your desire, um, if you're children of our Heavenly Father. You know, you're, you're wanting to, you want to be in his presence. And, um, but it gets tough. It does get tough. But this is so good. Great worship. And um, so we've been in uh, the first book of John for a while. B and I preach once a month. We're going to be in First John till probably I don't know, 2025, something like that. Um, exactly. But uh, I'm trying to get through it. All right. But it's a good book. There's a lot of good stuff in this, and it's a lot that we can we can like you got to like till it up, till it up because we can read through it and we can just kind of like gloss over these incredibly important like things that, are, that, are, that, that John is saying about who we are and who the Father is, you know, and uh, our relationship to him and our relationship to others. And so we finished up 1 John 2, and now we're headed into 1 John 3, and we're only going to get through like one verse. Sorry. But we're going we're gonna to work on that. We're going to read more than one verse, so, but we're not going to get any further than that first verse probably today. So, but I can't wait to get into the, like, like two and three. It's so cool. It's so cool. I can't wait. It's exciting. Of this, of this, ver this yeah, this chapter, exactly. Um, and, but we'll read it. We'll go through it real quick. So 1 John 3, 1 through 3 starts, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. All right, Lord, I just uh, I thank you, almighty God, for your word. I pray, God, that you would, you would just allow your word to, to speak to us, uh, prepare our hearts, help us to, to um, not be distracted, Lord, that you would, you would break any barriers that prevent us from hearing, and not just being hearers, but being doers of your word, that you would, you would, you would work in us by your Holy Spirit, that, that uh, you would cause this word to produce good fruit, tons of it, that we would be bearing much 
good fruit, Lord, for you. And I pray that, uh, that as your word says, that your word doesn't go out without producing what it's meant to produce. And I pray that that would be the case in us today, Lord, and that we would do nothing to prevent that. And that you, you would work through me to just be a vessel to present your word and uh, that I would just be added away. So I praise you, almighty God. I thank you. And I lift this up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So we got verse 1. And I wanna, we're going to hang on that for a little while. There's a couple points to it. And I think that there's a lot to that. So verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. And I want to touch on that. I want to go through that. Because he's saying, see it. So we're going to see it. What kind of love has God given to us that he would call us his children? This is so huge. So what kind of love is this? Let's look at what God's love looks like. We'll go through a, a, a few different things. The first John 3.16, if we go a little further in the chapter, we probably won't get to that for a while um, and as a message. But the first thing that he did and the evidence of his love is that he laid down his life for us, right? First John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, uh, was it two weeks ago when we did communion? I, I feel like it's so important for us to understand when he says, do this in remembrance of me, puts us in the right state where we're supposed to be before almighty God. And we start to examine what has been done for us, that he's laid down his life, that his blood was spilled, that his body was broken for us. When we do that, when we take those things, you know, I want to I encourage all of us to remember that because he says, do this in remembrance of me. It's so important. It's such a, a big deal, right? Um, we can't just kind of do it as a thing we do once a month, but that we take it so seriously that God gave himself not just to deliver us from our sins or to give us eternal life, but that so that we should be called children of God. That's so awesome. It's so awesome. God is also, this isn't an, an exhaustive thing. I can't be exhaustive with this. It would just be like, it would be so much. So we're going to touch on some things. But in, in John, the Gospel of John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus says to the disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? He has this kind of love that he has for us. He's laying up things and preparing things for us. He made, and I heard somebody say this, but God made the world and all of creation in six days. Jesus has been preparing a place for us for 2000, over 2,000 years. 
This is a place, this is our inheritance. This is where we're going. And we'll get into that, the inheritance. But this is where we're going. He's cared for us so much that he's taking the time to make a place for us. So he's died for us. He's given everything. He's laid down his life for us. He's preparing a place for us. As our father, he disciplines us also. If we look at John 15, 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be more, that it may bear more fruit. You know, um, a long time ago, I did a message on pruning. And I want to revisit that. People learned a lot about pruning. Didn't learn anything about the scripture, but they learned a lot about pruning. So, so now they're like trimming their trees. It's like, yeah, I learned this at church. I'm like, uh, okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe I missed the, the point there. But, uh, but anyway, I want to revisit that because there's so much reality to what goes on with the, in, a, in a vine or in a tree as it grows, and the, the, the aspect the, um, of taking away dead wood or taking away things that are robbing the light, robbing the airflow, doing things like that that prevent the tree from producing as much fruit as possible. It's so cool. We can, we'll get into that sometime. Um, but God wants to, us to bear much fruit. So he is, he's working for us to get rid of those things in us that prevent that from happening. That's discipline. He's correcting us. He's saying, that thing, that thing right there, you need to put that aside. I know when the Lord talks to me, I don't know how he talks to everybody, but when he talks to me, it's very like, hey, don't do, don't do that. You know, it's not this like, you know, let me, let's talk for a while. It's, hey, <laughs> you know, let's correct that. Don't do that. That's a bad idea, you know? Or, hey, that was good. Yeah, do that more, you know? Whatever. But it's so, it's like, but he's always there correcting me. Think about that. He loves us so much that he doesn't leave us orphans, that he's given his life for us, and he corrects us so that we can bear much fruit, so that we can we can honor him. We can have this great inheritance. This is so cool. You know, the Lord is so good. This is a real living relationship with him. So he disciplines us. Proverbs 3.12, for the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Hebrews 12.6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises every son he receives. In Psalm 94, 12, blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, and teach from your law. We know that God loves us if we're disciplined by him. And I want to think about this. If we, if we are living our lives, right, and we're doing the church thing or whatever, and we're not hearing God's discipline, we're not hearing the correction from God's word. We're not hearing the, the Holy Spirit speak to us and say, yeah, that's, you know, that's a wrong thing. Let's, let's not do that. We need to really consider and re-examine. Maybe, okay, how's my relationship with the Lord going? You know, have we quenched the Spirit? Have we prevented the Spirit from speaking to us to work in our lives? The fourth thing is that he meets our needs. 
like a good father, he meets our needs. Second Peter, and this is not just your basic needs. Second Peter 1 through 3, or 1 3, I'm sorry. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. He's provided all the things we need for life and for our godly living. Like he, he is giving us everything to do what we have to do. He is, we're called to work out our salvation, right? But then he says, because it is God who works in us to do and to, to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's giving us the power to do these things. He's giving us the encouragement to, to live lives that are honorable to him. He's meeting our needs. Matthew 6, 8 through 11. Do not be like them, the hypocrites. And this is, this is so cool. And I would encourage you to think about what, as Jesus is, uh, this is the Lord's Prayer. He gives the Lord's Prayer. And he's telling the disciples, this is how you should pray. Think about what he's saying there. Think about what he's saying. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Who do we go to for our daily needs? We need to be going to him. We need to be remembering that he's the one who provides these things. Another thing there, it's um, when Jesus is saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a kingdom aspect here. He's a king, right? He's the king of all kings. He's the king of the universe. He is the king. We're part of his kingdom. We need to be seeking his kingdom and and we'll get into it in the next passage. Um, we want to see his kingdom come on this earth. We want to see his kingdom worked out. As we share the gospel and as we present to, to people and we, we disciple them through the kingdom and watch them grow and bear fruit, we're expanding his kingdom. We're taking ground. We're winning. We're beating out the evil that's here. That's what we could be doing. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's the same thing as... At the end of, in, in verse 33, Matthew 6, uh, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It says, your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done. His kingdom, his righteousness. That's what we need to be seeking. We'll read that whole passage because this is such a great example. And, oh, we'll read it. 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? <clears throat> and which of you, by, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now we've, I mean, I've been in need. We've been in need, right? A lot of people have, we see righteous people struggle and suffer. But the Lord knows what we need in every single situation that we're in. He cares about all of these things. He doesn't leave us to to fend for ourselves. We always have a father who we can go to, to meet our needs. And if we're seeking for his kingdom and his righteousness, we have nothing to worry about. We're seeking to be righteous. We're seeking to see his kingdom grow. We have nothing to worry about. Nothing to be anxious about. I mean, I'm not an anxious person to begin with. It's just not my nature to be anxious. Um, So I struggle with understanding. You know, my my wife tends to be the other other end of that. (laughs) And so, but I, I don't understand it. I, so I, don't, I just don't understand it. And when I read this, to me, I'm like, yeah, come on, this is easy. Yeah, come on, it's just, just us, don't be anxious. You know? but, but I think that the, 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 more, the more we get tight with God, the more we draw near to him, and he draw, draws near to us, the more we spend time in his presence, the more we understand that he is a good father and that he cares about these things the more we can get our our eyes off of our situation and our eyes on him then i i think that that anxiety can start to take kind of a back seat and i know that there's there are other aspects to it but i think that that's the beginning point and that's good for everyone Because no matter what we're dealing with, whether it's anxiety, whether it's pride, whether it's anger, you know, those are the things I deal with, (laughs) you know. um, No matter what it is, if that's our posture, if that's our position, coming before our Heavenly Father who cares for us, who has cared enough to give himself to die in our place, give his son to die in our place, so that we could be called his children. I mean, if we can just get into that, then I think that a lot of those other things can take a back seat, you know, and kind of be put behind us. Get behind me, Satan. You know, um, so, so therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we have a heavenly father who comforts us, who's our refuge, who meets our needs, who's given his life for us so that we could be called children, his children. He's our hope. He's our peace. He's everything. And we'll get into this. He's our, he's our dad. You know, there's more of an intimate statement there. Our relationship with him is more than just this distant father out there in this nether world, this ether of heaven, kind of this floaty place, I've heard someone say. Um, 
There's more to it than that. We're part of his family. He's the king, and we are in his kingdom. He's made it possible for us who belong to him to overcome this world because we are his children, and he is our father. Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is there. It's in his presence. We don't belong here anymore. We're here, but we're kind of strangers. Ephesians 2.19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens to that world, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We're brought into his family. We've been adopted by him to be part of his family. If we belong to him, if we have been born again, if we have his Holy Spirit, he's our father. That's our status, children of God. He's our heavenly father. Now, I, I grew up without a dad, you know, so, um, and a lot of you guys know my story, and I won't go through it again, but just the aspect of, I didn't have any examples to follow of what being a good dad looked like. I didn't see it. None of my friends, you know, I didn't have a ton of friends growing up. So I wasn't around families where I was like, yeah, that's, that's good. You know, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, one foster family, I just remember. But um, there was a little bit, but I was there so short a time. I, you know, and uh, I became a dad young. I became a dad at 19. You know, I was a terrible father. I was a terrible husband. You know, I cared about me. I wanted my stuff. I wanted to do my thing. And I was, I was a Christian. I was saved. So there's, I, had to, I had to learn what it meant to be a good father. And after becoming a Christian, after being saved, the Lord, I saw where the Lord put people like Pastor Steve in my life who I could look to and ask questions. Hey, I don't know how to discipline my kids. I'm not sure how to do this stuff. You know? And there's a verse that stuck out to me and I think it's in Psalms that says that God is the father to the fatherless. And I, I clung to that. And, that. and then it's like, well, what does that mean? Well, he's my father. That's the example I have that I should be following of what it means to be a dad. That's, what it, that's the example. I can't look at my situation we can't look at our situations. Some of us might be like, well, my dad was fine. I mean, he was, yeah, he had some problems, but regardless, or my dad was horrible, whatever. We can't look at that to make our determination of whether, how we're supposed to be. We have to look at our heavenly father to determine who we're supposed to be as dads. And I don't mean to beat up on dads again. <laughs> it's just that I am one. And, uh, and I know the power, the importance in the body of Christ for men to be who they're supposed to be in their homes. Um, so we need to look at him to see who, what, a, what a father is supposed to be. God is everything we need all the time and in every situation. And we need to just cling to him and go to him. God has done all of this so that we could have an intimate relationship with him. 
we become his children. That's pretty intimate, you know? Um, what is that, though? Like, let's get into what it, the reality of being a child of God means. First of all, what does it look like? What does being a child of God look like? We have our example. It's like a Sunday school question. Who's our example? Jesus. Hey, this is great. This is not a trick question. Uh, but that's the reality of it. I got to just get a napkin. Sorry. Apologize if I, I sniff a lot. For some reason, my nose runs up here. My nose runs. My feet smell. I think I'm upside down. Um, <clears throat> but you're laughing. Um, but he is, he is what it looks like to be a, a child of God. He did what the, he saw the Father doing, right? That's what he says to the disciples. I only do what I see the Father doing, you know? I only say what I hear the Father say, like he tells me to do. And I'm like, this, this is what we should be doing. This is, our, this is where we're at. And what's cool about it is this intimate relationship that Jesus had or has with the Father, we have the same thing. If we look at Mark 14, 36, that's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. This Abba, Father, a lot of us know what that means. It's not just, hey, father out there. It's, hey, daddy. It's intimate. It's daddy. I'm close to you. I know this is possible for you, but whatever you want. That's what Jesus said to the father. Now look at this, Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Romans 8.14, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That same relationship Jesus has with the Father, we have that relationship. He is our daddy. Is he, though? Is he is that, what we, is that where we're at? Do we go to him for everything? We, do we go to him for, Daddy, I, I need help with this. I need wisdom. Daddy, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills or whatever. Daddy, what do I do in this? I didn't have that growing up, right? A lot of us didn't have that kind of relationship. Well, we have that now. And we can do that now, that intimate relationship with with. Almighty, Heavenly Father. What's cool, too, is, and uh, somebody will correct me, I'm sure, if I'm off on this, but I just, I don't know, this seems to fit. When we receive, when we believe that, um, that Jesus has saved us and we, we become born again, we receive the Holy Spirit, Right? We receive the genetic material of Almighty God in our being. It's not that he's out here. We can think that 
that God is, the Holy Spirit is out here somewhere. But Jesus says that he'll make his home with us, in us. We have God's genetic material in us. We were born without Christ. We were born in in the curse of Adam. We didn't have that. When we become a Christian, we become a new creation created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's his Holy Spirit in us that transforms us and wants to motivate us and start working in us like that verse that I just said before. It is God who works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. His spirit is alive in us if we are his children. Do you feel the motivation? Do you feel him working in us? We have a decision to make. Do we go to God's word? Do we go to him? Do we walk, and this is, you know, 1 John is full of these kind of statements where he says, well, we can't continue in sin, you know, and and, uh, because if we continue in sin, then we're we're not one of his. And we can look at that and go, oh man, (laughs) I'm in a bad spot because I keep sinning, you know? But that's not what it is. It's an actual working of God's spirit in us to not want to do those things anymore. It's a transforming us into, Lord, I want to please you. Yeah, I messed up, but I want to please you. It's not a, I sin, so therefore, oh, I'm done. In my, my perspective... I know this probably disagrees with some other theological points of view. But I believe that once we're sealed by the Holy Spirit and we are his children, we are his children. We are there. That is it. We're done. Now it's, what are you going to do with that? You know? Like, it's not, yeah, I gave that up. You don't give up an adoption. You're a kid. You belong to the Father now. You're his child now. What are we going to do with it? So it's a living Holy Spirit. It's a living spirit, living genetic material of God in us. That's so cool, I think. Because it takes it out of here, out of the realm of the ether, out of this out there kind of thing. And it's like, that's what works in me. That's what works in me. Because I want to please God. It's a good time to think about like, is that, is that happening? Is that motivation happening? Is there a becoming more and more desire? Do you have that desire? And I would just say, if you don't, or if maybe you've kind of put the, like you've, you've kind of shut yourself off from hearing the Holy Spirit, then maybe you need to reexamine that, where you're at. We have a good father who has done everything for us so that we can be called the children of God. We belong to him. He's our father. We're his child. It's intimate. That's what he wants. And, there, and it, we, don't have to, we don't have to be afraid of listening to him, of hearing what he has to say. We can cry out, Abba, Father. In Luke 18, 17, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. There's a lot of different viewpoints on that. You know, what does it mean to receive the the kingdom of heaven like a child? Um, And so, but, and I think almost all of those can just kind of be lumped together for the most part, you know? So 
But I, I think that we start with this perspective, that we are filled with faith that our Heavenly Father is going to take care of us, and we're humble before him. That's a good state to start with. I think that's a good, a good foundation. That we look to him for everything. But also that, like, when you're, when you're a baby, you don't know much, right? You're learning, you're learning. That's how it is when you get saved, you know, you're born again. It's like, you don't know anything. You know, when I got saved, I was like, all right, what do you want me to do? You know, I have no idea. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit leading, put, putting people in my life that could, that could direct me. And I'm like jumping on it all the time, whatever. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> so I had to learn all these things. So my mind had to be renewed. I had to learn a new way of living. You know, so I think that like that has an aspect to it too. We have to come to him in that kind of mentality. I don't know. Lord, I just want to know what you want me to know. So we're new. So we come to him like that. We're, we're children. 1 Corinthians 14.20. We need to be childlike towards evil. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. And we need to crave pure spiritual milk. 1 Peter 2.2, 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Craving pure spiritual milk. What is that? But I think it's, I think that what it is is craving the things of the Spirit of God. Craving, craving the presence of God. Craving the Word of God. Craving the fellowship of the brothers and the sisters. Craving those things. Craving time to be in God's presence in whatever you're doing. Craving the pure spiritual milk so that we can grow up in our salvation. So we are the children of God. We have the, the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in us to change us. We begin to hate evil. Our lives should be a response as Christians, our lives should be a response to that, the, the, the life of the Holy Spirit in us. And this is why, like Paul, when he talks about, um, he's not giving us another set of rules, you know, but we walk by the Spirit. We produce the fruits of the Spirit. We do these things because God is in us living. And if we're responding to him, and we're responding to the Spirit, responding to his word. As the Spirit leads us, there is no list of rules for us to follow. We have God's righteousness in us. His, that, that, that bit of righteousness, like we, we know it. It's that God is holy. He's righteous. His Spirit is in us. That same Spirit, that's righteousness, is in us. We know when something's wrong and when something's right. You know, we can, we can, but as we respond to that and allow that spirit to grow in us, then we see God start to produce good fruit in us. So our relationship has changed for sure. Now, what does it, what does this change mean for us? 
a lot, right? <laughs> means a lot. Everything, exactly, everything. We went from being a son of Adam under a curse that had been just perpetuated throughout all of creation, all of mankind's existence because of his sin. We have that curse that the soul that sins will die, will stand before God without Christ and will be guilty. We're born into sin and God has made a way to deliver us from that so that we could be called his children and we could have fellowship, intimate fellowship with him. And more than that, because if you look back at what it says, I'll just read it, Dan. Um, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. How, that, like, we are children of God, but there's so much more. When we, when we see him for who he is, we can't even imagine how, how magnificent this is going to be. None of us can imagine what it's like to be without the curse of Adam. None of us can, can imagine what it's like to not have some aspect of sin nature in us. But when we stand before him, when we see him, we will be like him. That's so cool. You know, we can't even imagine how good that's going to be. How good it's going to be to not have, like, I, like I, you can't even describe it. To not have a, a wrong thought. Any, any aspect of it. I think it's so in, we're so, um, what is it? Uh, it's so ingrained in us that we can't even imagine not having any part of it and what that means. This is a good thing. But that's what it means to be a, ch a child of God. That's what we have to look forward to. There's more. Okay. <clears throat> so what do we get by being a child of God, our relationship being changed? 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Fear has to do with punishment. We are God's child. God is love. Perfect love casts out fear. When we come to him, we don't have to be afraid and, and be, be like um, expecting that he's going, to, he's going to pour out his wrath on us because we are set free from that. We don't have a fear of God's wrath anymore because we're his child. We belong to him. We're in his family. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. If there's no condemnation, man, we can just come to him. He says, come, and, uh, come into his presence boldly, right? We can request, we present our request boldly before him. Because we have a new relationship with him. We're his child. And if we are his child and we have his Holy Spirit, uh, his righteous Holy Spirit living in us, man, this should cause us to think, 
all right, what am I doing? Am I, am I, am I, am I where I should be in my relationship with him? Am I taking full advantage of what I have as a child of Almighty God? And we'll end it with this. <clears throat> Romans 8, 14 through 17, we read some of it already, but for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For if you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We have eternal life with Almighty God. There is so much available to us as heirs of, of our Heavenly Father. We're heirs. The God of all creation has made us his child, his children, and we, we have inherited what he has for us. He made all of the cosmos. He made everything. We look at, look at creation. Look at it, the amazing level of detail, the, the, the grandeur. When we look at the new space telescope, right? The Hubble's like old school now. It's like, yeah, that, that Hubble, you know, doesn't really do anything. You know, now we got this, what is it, uh, Dobbs, I think it is. Oh, James Webb. Yeah, thank you. Dobbs Webb. It's, it's close. It's like four letters. Um, but <laughs> um, but we, when you look at what is out there, the complexity, the amazing, the colors and all this stuff, just think about what it means for us to be heirs of God. Heirs with Christ. Man. That's why we got to represent. Like, you know, we're, we're children of God. We got to represent, yo. Um, we got to be the church. We got to be the children of God. We need to, we need to, we need to live that. Respond to the Spirit. Hear the Holy Spirit working in you. Listen to him. You know, he's calling us to, to be what we're supposed to be. He's working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And we have eternal life. And I love uh, what C.S. Lewis, he talks about, like, um, I forget if it's, I forget what book it is, but he talks about, like, heaven isn't going to be, like, this less material thing. I probably said this before, but I have a very small frame of reference for material, so... Um, but he's, he says it's not going to be a less material thing. Like we think it's going to be more kind of wispy. It's going to be more solid and more brilliant and more this and more. And it's like, that's so cool. It's not going to be less. It's only going to be more. So, so that's who we are. That's who our father is. And uh, we are like 
so blessed. I want to leave with this, <clears throat> that there's um, a verse that I, I didn't, actually I didn't look it up where it is, but it's just I wrote it in my notes. Um, and this is really a call to people who maybe, maybe you don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you're not his child, you know, and you'll know it. You know, you'll know it because the Holy Spirit won't be moving in you. Spirit won't be drawing you to good works. Um, so you may believe that he is, right? But the scripture says, we believe that he is, but he is also a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he's not just there, but he's active. He's living. He's real. He's wanting to change us. And we have to believe him for both. Not just that he's there, even the devil believes, he knows he's there. But do we believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? And if we do, then we're going to move towards him and see him work. So if you don't know the Lord, or if you're not seeing him work, I would just say, start like a little child. Be humble. Go to him knowing nothing. Cry out to him humbly and say, God, I just need your help. I don't know. I want to be your child. And if you do that, God says that if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And that he'll, he'll place his Holy Spirit in you. And you'll have that life of God in you so that you can grow up and bear much fruit for him. And you have an inheritance and you have all this awesome stuff. You know, so, so anyway, all right, let's, let's close. Uh, Lord God, I just praise you. I thank you. You are um, such a good father. Such an excellent, excellent father. And uh, thank you that we have this intimate relationship with you. That uh, you desire to be with us in our presence. And um, you desire to help us to be the best that we can possibly be. And you give us everything to do that. You meet our needs. Um, you help us grow. I, I thank you, Father, for this body, for these people who love you. I pray, God, that we can be as, as um, much a representation of the children of God as we possibly can be now looking forward to when we see you for who you are and we become like you. And I pray, God, that you would, you would help us to look forward, look ahead, and to be, be always fixing our eyes on you and to be um, bringing every thought unto captivity, unto the obedience of you, and that uh, we can just take one more step closer to your image and be a better representation for your glory. I pray your blessing on this church and on this time. And uh, Lord, I ask that you would uh, you'd work in us and we could glorify you in the name of Jesus.